0: Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kci.org privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning?
1: Well, today our show is about "Bam the Box. We're going to be talking about something very, very important because here we are on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. A lot of people are graduating and moving on and trying to get jobs, and maybe they've had something in their past that wasn't so favorable, and we need to be able to get jobs for these young people and have them know what their rights and obligations are. And so we're going to be talking about some new legislation and what's going on in this area of employment privacy. So I'm so excited because we are interviewing two wonderful attorneys who are right from Orange County, California. I had read their article in the May uh, edition of the Orange County Lawyer. And I've known Alan from way, way back. And I was so excited to interview them so they can talk to you about this important issue. First of all, let me tell you, we're going to be interviewing Alan Carvaro and Teresa McQueen. So I'm going to start with Alan because I've known him for many years. He's a graduate of the University of Southern California uh, and for his BA and Creighton University Amundsen Law in, uh, uh, in law school. And he is a licensed attorney in California. He is in private practice now in Newport Beach. And he focuses on criminal and juvenile litigation and motions in appellate practice. And he is formerly the senior deputy public defender in the Orange County uh office here in the Orange County Defender's Office, where he had appellate and trial counsel assignments during his 28 years of service. And he's argued before the Fourth District Court of Appeal and the California Supreme Court. You can find out more about him at our website at privacypiracy.org and also at avvo.com, where you just look his name, Alan Cravaro, C-R-I-V-A-R-O. Also we have on the line Teresa McQueen, who is the founder and principal attorney of Safe Fire Legal PC, an employment and risk management law firm. and she offers legal advice, education and training from a perspective that assesses risk from a knowledge from a knowledge base solid on both the employer and employee perspective. So she knows both sides of the coin. The firm's professional approach and legal experience is often cited by its clients as key to helping them improve their employer-employee relationships. So you can find out more about her again at privacypiracy.org, where we link to her website, sapphirelegal.com, S-A-F-F-I-R-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. Thank you both for joining us this morning.
0: That's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having us. So, Alan, why don't we start out with you? Let's talk about what the term means by Ban the Box. A lot of people don't even know what that means or where it came from.
0: Certainly. Ban the Box simply refers to it's uh, literally a movement that has been growing over a number of years. And for those that have, remember, applying for a job in the past in many Many jurisdictions, when you were when you were having your written employment form, there are some check boxes, and one of those check boxes used to be, "Have you ever been convicted of a crime?" Ban the box literally means get rid of that checkbox, because what it was felt by a lot of civil rights groups in the last few years, and this is a, basically a national movement, not just in the state of California. But it was felt that for a number of reasons, but particularly when you would check that that box, that because the criminal justice system seemed to inordinately have more African Americans and Latinos convicted of minor crimes, particularly in the drug area, that this was prohibit them from any employment. So that's essentially the idea is is get rid of that checkbox because Many, many employers would look at that, and unfortunately, an individual who checked that box never got a call back.
1: Exactly. So, Teresa, could you um, talk about the recent ban-the-box legislation right here in California?
2: Yes. So, in keeping with what Alan said, so California's latest ban-the-box legislation is really its way of just making sure that employers are considering applicants' qualifications um, by leveling the playing field initially by not asking about any convictions or, or anything like that. They're trying to ensure sort of that everyone gets a fair shake and show that people can be more than their past mistakes. More technically, it's prohibiting employers from asking about prior convictions on job applications, like Alan had said, and asking or considering um, any prior convictions until after a conditional offer of employment has been made by the employer. And then um, <clears throat> it also prevents them from doing another thing. Uh, some other things about not being able to, con- after they make that uh, initial offer of employment, it also prevents them from uh, considering certain things that are found through the background check. It doesn't prohibit a background check, but it does put a, a few limits on things that they can consider and, and uh, look at. Uh, pertaining to the background check process. And then it imposes some various notice requirements if the employer considers revoking the conditional offer based on something that they found in the criminal history. You know, I'll tell you, uh,
1: I've dealt with a lot of people with identity theft and criminal identity theft. And so it's been really very, very upsetting for many people who found out that that when they do a background check that it shows that there were convictions and they never said that there were any convictions. And in fact, there weren't any convictions. And so then they end up you know, not getting the job, and then they have to go through and rehabilitate their whole life. And then I had a a gentleman who was up for promotion, and they did a background check, and it wasn't him, and he was fired instead of even getting the promotion. So, yeah. What do you think about people getting their own background check
2: before they even apply for a job?
1: What do you think of that, guys?
2: Actually, what? that's something. That, oh, sorry, Alan. That, that's something that we recommend that people do ahead of time. And um, there's a lot of things you can do. I'll let Alan talk about that. But it's one of the things we recommend doing—not waiting until you start applying for jobs. If you think there might be something there, my experience has been more where people think that something's been expunged or something's been sealed, and then the process wasn't followed through on for whatever reason, or mistakes get made. And something they thought had been taken care of wasn't. They don't realize it until they're applying for jobs. And I know Alan can speak on that because he's represented some clients who have actually been in that position. Yeah, you know, Maria, us, yeah. I might
0: add, I might follow up on the point that you were making about individuals and their convictions. The, the, our California legislature, in enacting this new law, Make, makes a series of findings. And one of those findings that our California legislature based this new legislation on is they, they cite uh, as a finding that nearly one in three adults in California have an arrest or a conviction record that can significantly undermine their efforts to get gainful employment. Right. That is a staggering number of individuals that have basically been barred from gainful employment. And to follow up on this logic also, we all know since 2007 that our, it's true that our economy is picking up now, but we had a tremendous number of people that were unemployed in California. It was felt that, number one, if we can employ our fellow citizens this way by giving them second chance, that two things are going to happen – we're going to be able to build better communities with their families. And number two, it's going to be able that our taxes are not going to have to support a lot of social net as we have been in the past. People will be able to take care of themselves. It will reduce the recidivism rates for those that have had past criminal convictions, even small ones, for a simple possession of marijuana.
1: Right, right. And so if they can get a job, then they won't turn to crime.
2: You know, that's exactly that's the
0: logic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One of the things I really like about the statistics that the uh, legislature used in, you know, putting this through was that they said that experts found that people that had conviction records actually had that managed to get jobs actually had lower rates of turnover and then higher rates of promotion on the job. And I think that just speaks really loudly. That just floored me. I thought that was a great statistic.
1: Yes, it, it is. It's, it's wonderful. And I think for those people who are victims of criminal identity theft, this really helps them as well, because then they can, you know, they, they see this and then they can hopefully have more time to even prove that they're, it wasn't them. It was somebody else. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, who this legislation applies to and how did the legislation change the California law. Teresa, can you speak to that?
2: Sure. So this new legislation applies to all employers that have at least five or more employees, and what it does is it basically sort of removes any inquiry of past convictions until after this conditional offer has been made, and then again it limits what can be considered once the background investigation is underway. It it adds this component of an individualized assessment on the employer. And it also has some significant notice requirements if the employer chooses to um, consider revoking the job or actually revokes the job based on something that they found in the criminal conviction. So do you? I, I can walk you through the technicalities of it, um, or was that sort of what you were looking for? Yeah,
1: you could tell a little bit more about that so people know what the expectation is.
2: Well, what happens is, you know, an applicant comes in, fills out the application, you consider everyone based on their merits, and you decide to offer this person a conditional offer of employment, conditional on a background check. And so um, from then, you have the ability as an employer to run a background check. You, once the background check comes back, let's say there's something on there that causes you concern, if you're thinking of revoking the offer, Based on something in the criminal conviction uh, report that you've received, you have to do what's called an individualized assessment. And what that means is you have to take into consideration before making that uh, pre-decision, pre-revocation decision, you have to take in the nature and gravity of the conviction, the time, how much time has passed since the conviction, and then the nature of the job thought. So in other words, how does that conviction apply to uh, legitimately apply to this person's ability to do the job that they're seeking, that they're trying to get? Then based on that, let's say, you know, you think, okay, well, I've looked at this. I think that there might still be some concerns there. Maybe it's a DUI and this is for someone who's going to be driving for the company. So well, that might that's probably not a good example, that might be something you would be able to, to, uh, to revoke, well, Actually, yeah, that does make sense. So let's take that example. A DUI, this job involves driving. So you want to make a preliminary decision to revoke. You can't just say, too bad, so sad. You have to do a preliminary notice of your decision to revoke. And there's some leeway whether it has to be in writing or not. You have you have to justify it to yourself and the company, but you don't necessarily have to convey that justification in writing or explain it to the applicant. But you do have to tell them, we're preliminary revoking, which conviction is the concern or convictions. Give them a copy of the report. They have five days to respond. And then um, if they do respond, they have to tell you – they can respond. If they tell you in writing that they want to respond by giving you rebuttal evidence of some kind that, you know, that's not me or, you know, that was supposed to be sealed or I'd like to provide you with another explanation of why – I think it's not, you know, why I can survive this concern. Once you get it, there's a mandate in the statute that you as the employer consider any information that's provided, and then from that you can make a decision to move forward in the hiring process, or you can say, look, actually, I think that, I don't think, I, I think that this conviction is going to be a problem uh, in your ability to perform this job. And so in making that decision, if that's your final decision as employer, that decision has to be conveyed in writing to the applicant. Again, you don't necessarily have to provide your justifications or explain it, but you do have to notify them in writing. And in that notification, you have to give them notice of, this is my final decision to revoke. Tell them if if the company has any procedures for challenging, for applicants to challenge a denial of employment, you have to let them know about that. And then you have to tell them that they have a right to complain and then give them information about Uh, Their rights to complain. Right.
1: And I just want to go back a little about when they get a, when the employer gets the background check, they, um, if you mark the box that you want to copy, they must give you a copy of that background check. So as soon as you get it, if you see something wrong on there, you should tell somebody right away. And especially if it's criminal identity theft or if it's an error lots of times I've noticed people have come to me with criminal identity theft or something has happened where their social security number was used with somebody who was booked into jail. And um, then you have to get fingerprints to show that that wasn't you, you know. So yeah, I mean, they come to me with criminal identity theft. and, And that's the issue that if they get they should always mark the box that they want a copy of the employment background check so that they can get it immediately, and then before anything even happens, they can sell, oh, my gosh, this isn't even me, you know, instead of waiting for the employer, right?
0: Or, amari, right. or Mari, it could be an innocent mistake. Real right. example I've just handled within the last six months. I represented an individual who has a uh, Vietnamese Uh, last name, first name and last name. Works for a high-tech company. Was going to move over to another high-tech company. This is an engineer. He had had a a simple problem in the past, a misdemeanor that I had taken, and I had gotten off the record. When they ran their criminal history, the name popped up, and they were asking him about a federal conviction for fraud and theft in a federal court in Chicago, Illinois. And... My client had never been there. It's not not only that it's just uh, with the problems with the criminal history. When they run these background checks now in the age of the Internet and so many out-of-state companies that do it, in providing information to the employer, yes, it may have the same name, but there are distinguishing factors that it's simply someone else think about how common certain names are uh, in our culture or certain cultures. It's real easy to run a national review and come up with a lot of names and a lot of information, but none of it pertains to the individual that's before the employer. So you're quite right. Um, there are There's a lot more information that may be there that really needs to be screened, which is why we really support the idea that if they're considering not continuing and offering this job to the individual, they give, them an ex- they give them a chance to explain or to clear up this record. It's also important to note that the statute talks about conviction history. When employers receive information either from the state, what we use, or typically the criminal lawyers refer to as rap sheet or a CII or the DMV records or an FBI sheet, you're going to find information on there about arrests. You're going to find information on there about perhaps things that people have done, but they have uh, engaged in what we call diversion programs or their records have been sealed. That information will appear, but the statute absolutely forbids employers to consider certain types of information. Um, It is not considered part of the conviction history. In California also... Anyone under the age of eighteen who has had an adjudication that has been involved with juvenile court, those records are sealed and the statute explicitly exempts those. So if you have been had problems as a juvenile, the employer cannot consider them and they cannot ask about them. So there's some limited things that they can ask when we talk about the term conviction history. It's also important for our, our our listeners to understand that conviction history isn't simply just something that has to do that someone possessed a single marijuana cigarette and, you know, got the, they got the citation for it at one time. It could be someone who was served prison time and for murder, right. for, a, for arson, for something very serious, and now it's years later and out they go. So... When the employer finally gets to check it, it's for anything that may be on that sheet that is within the, the, the scope of this particular statute that we call uh, conviction history.
1: And it's not easy to even change these things. I know I had a case that a guy came to me, and he was innocent. He never had anything to do with anything. But as I was telling you, his Social Security number was used when this um, other person with a similar name was uh, put in jail for, uh, for, I think it was, second-degree murder. Anyway, so he couldn't get a job for years, and I finally got him on, believe it or not, Dateline and I got him an attorney in Ohio, because this was an Ohio case, to take the case and sue the, the um, consumer reporting agency that wouldn't clear it up for us. So it's it's really very important. I wanna go back to you getting your own background check to see what's on there and then call someone like Alan or Teresa or someone to get some help because it is, it is a quagmire to get through. So, um, let me just ask you, Ellen, are there any exceptions as to when an employer can ask about criminal proceedings?
0: Yes. It, some of the things that, now, we've already talked about the first one in the statute, that once the employer gives the qualified uh, um, job, you know, that they're, they're willing to hire the person, then, then it starts, they can ask about what we call the conviction history. Things that are not in the statute is if you are ten, or if you are uh, the applicant is presently on bail. That is, they have been charged with a crime and they're out right on bail. So those type of things, and that's an arrest, hasn't a conviction. But those are the type of things that an employer um, that is an exception to the statute. Some of the other exceptions is that ban the box is not going to necessarily apply to certain types of jobs that are in the statute, and we don't need to be technical about it, but if you're going to go into law enforcement, uh, certain type of government agencies, uh, if you're going to go into some areas of medical field where you may have uh, the ability to prescribe narcotics, controlled substances, those are also exceptions to this particular statute that the employer may uh, go further and inquire about some of the past things that private employers may not ask about. So there are some exceptions in there, but the most one, the most glaring one is if, if you are presently charged with a crime and out on bail, yes, that is something they may consider.
1: Now, th- let me just go back and ask one other question because people say, "Well, gee, what if I was arrested and I never they never did anything with it?" That cannot be part of it, right? That that unless they're out on bail, if they had been arrested, that, that is not part of the background check in California. Am I correct?
0: Yes. In fact, that's a two. There's a twofold answer to that. Okay. In the past, prior to this legislation that became effective January one of this year. California had already prohibited asking about simply the arrest. They wanted to know about convictions. Right. For our listeners, conviction simply means that you have pled guilty or you have actually gone before a court or a jury and been convicted of a crime. It is not necessary that the judge has sentenced you yet. It's There has been some type of finding in the criminal justice system of guilt of a crime. So that's what we mean by a conviction for people who have simply been arrested there is also good news now that simultaneously with this particular ban the box statute our legislature has also come forth and there are several now ways if you were arrested ways that you can have that taken off your record for instance it's yes people were arrested Nothing was ever filed. The statute of limitations have come. Uh, most most example, uh, college students, they're out with their friends. They may have been drinking. They may be out beyond the hours in a bar in a parking lot. These are real-life examples, by the way. Right, right. Get arrested. District attorney is reviewed, and they said, no, we're not going to file anything. You know, you have an arrest on your record. It may be for ban the box or even other states' law enforcement this could be something that seriously could hurt your record. There is now a simple mechanism to take that off your record. Before, when you were arrested, you had to prove to the court that you were factually innocent. In -hmm. other words, there was no probable cause to arrest. And quite frequently, that was very difficult to do. So simultaneously, this is part of something that we'll talk about a little bit further on in our our interview today about some of the things that a prospective applicant should consider or the changes that are going along besides ban-the-box legislation, other legislation that California has put in place that supports this type of legislation.
1: Well, you know, we only have about... um Four more minutes left. So can I have you, Alan, give maybe just a couple bullet points of what the applicant should do, and then I'm going to have Teresa give some bullet points of what the employer should do. Can I do that?
0: Most definitely. Okay, so Alan is yours. (laughs) The new legislation, which is uh, California um, government code, um, that particular government code section.
1: It's 12952.
0: Exactly, which is available on, just Google it and it'll come up, folks. So one thing that you want to do is it has very short timelines in there. These timelines, five days, ten days, unfortunately our courts move a little bit slower. For instance, you want to take something off your record. There's a whole checklist of things that you can do now that, particularly in the misdemeanors, these these past drug convictions, it's going to take about two months to 90 days in the court system to make it through so before you apply for a job if you know right now that you've got something on your record either seek legal counsel or our own uh... websites the courts websites have forms that are designed so that lay people can actually do it on their own and go yes fill out the document and in many cases that relief will be granted it will be dismissed or sealed from the record and so before you apply, you can honestly tell the employer there is no criminal record that you can, you know, it's over. So we recommend if you know that you've had troubles in the law, seek legal counsel or take a look at the, the websites and make use of it before you even uh, apply.
1: Okay. So, Teresa, can you give us some quick tips for in about two minutes of <laughs> – <laughs> I'm sorry. We really... No, right.
2: Sure. So one of the things I want to make clear, and this is important for employers to know, there are there are really no automatic denials. Um, I think when I was talking about my DUI example, I said something like that might be a reason to deny. You have to have a, leg- a legitimate business reason or legitimate reason based on the job qualifications and or this person's qualifications, how that relates to the conviction and how it relates to the performance of their job. Um, it makes it, you know, the statute makes it really clear that there's no automatic reason to deny. They really want that individualized assessment. So one of the things I advise my clients to do is perform an internal audit of all their job descriptions ahead of time and kind of make an initial decision as to which obvious types of convictions would prohibit someone from performing the job, like, for instance, a bank teller. So obviously certain convictions for theft are going to, across the board, sort of, you know, make it difficult for that person to be in a position of trust to do that kind of a job. Um, You want to make sure when you're doing these initial assessments, too, that the assessments that you're making aren't having some sort of discriminatory impact on any specific class of applicants or any type of individual, along with your individual assessment as well. And one of the biggest things, I think, is to try to set aside any personal bias and remain objective. You know, try to evaluate each and every applicant's circumstances with a fresh perspective. Um, Of course, training anyone that has hiring authority on these policies, your company's policies, make sure you have policies in place so they understand what is and what is not acceptable. And try to formalize the process. There's lots of places to go that you can get forms. Um, You can talk to counsel about drafting some forms for the notice and all of these things so that no steps are missed. Um, And you always want to seek counsel before you put anything in writing.
1: Wow, that's terrific, and that's perfect timing. So I just want to uh, thank both of you. Uh, Teresa McQueen and her website is Sapphire Legal, that's S A F F. I R E L E G A L dot com and Alan Cravaro. And you can go to AVO, A V V O which is a, uh, a website that reviews attorneys. And you then would look in Alan Cravaro, C R I V A R O. You're both wonderful. And thank you so much. And we will have you back again. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you too. Okay, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, <laughs> its management, or the UC Board of Regents.